Welcome, and thank you for listening today. This Caregiver Life podcast focuses on caregivers from all walks of life. Throughout the episode, we will hear from caregivers on the front line, those who do the day-to-day, sometimes hour-to-hour caregiving. We will also hear from care recipients, professionals in the field of caregiving, and other various topics of interest to those living this caregiver life. Okay, so we are on episode 43. Hi, Jen. Hi, Mayor. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. It's finally sunny, and I feel like I am have a sunnier disposition than I've really had since all this COVID sequestration has happened. What was that? COVID what? Sec- sequestration. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sequestration. I'm making up words now. Um, Grammarly is a tool I use, and it recently told me that my my vocabulary has increased, and I actually am using uh, a more diverse vocabulary than 98% of people who use Grammarly. I'm impressed with that. I have to attribute it to a podcast that I started listening to about uh, 12 years ago called Grammar Girl. Highly recommend it. I'll put a link in our notes. Okay, good. I like that. Put a link in this, too. I started doing a, a 30-day dinner challenge with my daughter who's living with me during this quarantining. She's a, or quarantining, I think we are called these days. She's a third grade teacher and single, and she's come here to hang out um, for, the, for the rest of the summer. And so every day for the next 30 days, we take turns cooking. We're having a different meal, and I'm blogging about it. So you can, you can put my blog link on that. Mayor's meal plan. I love it. The photos are beautiful. And I also love that you're providing the calorie count, uh, portion amounts, and um, really emphasizing the balanced nature of those meals for folks who are, who are caregiving, maybe preparing food for someone that um, has diet restrictions or is diabetic. It's just amazing. Well, cool. I'm glad you're liking it. We're getting a little traction with it. So today we have a guest with us. We have Larry Niesenson. Did I say that correctly? Nicenson, but Nicenson. Nicenson, but Nicenson works. That's I'd fine. want to be called nice too if that was my name. <laughs> I like that. So Larry's our guest. Larry is a chief commercial officer for a Genworth US life insurance business. It includes Care Scout, Caregiver Support Services, an innovative program designed to provide expert guidance and personal support for those struggling to find the right help for their loved one. He oversees the product development, distribution, marketing, and business development efforts for Gemworth's U.S. life insurance companies, all driven to assist people in the effective financing of aging through novel products and services. Care Scout taps into Larry's personal passion for caregiving that was ignited when he witnessed firsthand the significant impact long-term care events had on the lives of several family members. An active issue advocate, he has spoken to many audiences on a variety of related critical topics, including caregiving, financial security, preparing for the future, and protecting your nest egg. For more than 25 years, he has held leadership roles in the insurance and financial services industry, including president of Plymouth Rock Assurance Company, Prudential Division, VP of Business Development at AXA Equitable and National Sales Manager at American General Life Companies. Larry started his career in financial services in 1995 as a financial advisor in New York City. 
Larry received his Bachelor of Arts degree in political science from Rutgers University in 1988 and serves on the board of directors for the Rutgers School of Design Thinking, as well as the alumni board for Sigma Phi Epsilon. He, he also works with several nonprofits in his community. Well, welcome, Larry. We love having you on our show today. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, As a graduate of Indiana University, I'm excited to have another uh, Big Ten alum here. Yes. Nice. Well, I can't My, say the same, but. <laughs> uh, Jennifer, you'll appreciate the fact that my middle, I have three daughters. My middle daughter just graduated from uh, University of Michigan. So, oh. Well, we've got another year? Big Ten uh, in the house. I'm sorry? This year? She just graduated this past spring, yeah. Well, was, give uh, her our congratulations, and we know what a strange senior year that must have been but what a what an exciting future she has uh, absolutely she's uh, she's excited to have made it through and uh we love nothing more than going to the big house and watching some games out there <laughs> i bet and everybody's gonna be excited when we can get back to watching sports in person again right indeed indeed yeah. well so larry's on today to talk to us about caregiving of course because that is what we talk about on this Caregiver Life podcast. And I'm interested in knowing a little more about Care Scout and what that offers, like what the mission is and how it can be helpful to caregivers and employers. Uh, and again, um, thank you for not just having me, but for the work um, and the passion that you guys bring to this incredible um, dilemma that we face. It's a dilemma that um, for those that aren't caregivers, right, they casually think about it maybe when they read a story or they have to go help a neighbor or a loved one do something. But unless you're a constant caregiver, unless you understand the all out um, process of being a caregiver and the, how much goes into it, it's really impossible to understand um, how much you have to give. And so one caregiver to two others, thank you very much um, for not only your personal caregiving, uh, but for trying to bring some semblance of, you know, normalcy and reality to what is anything but normal um, for most people. Um, CareScout uh, is an interesting company. We, uh, Genworth Financial bought them uh, about 10 years ago, but the company CareScout itself has existed for a little bit over 20 years. So, um, so CareScout's been around for a little bit over 20 years, and their mission is very straightforward. Um, they're in the business of providing care management support to caregivers and their loved ones in order for them to make what we would describe as the best care decisions for their loved ones. And so that service takes on a variety of um, sort of uh, delivery mechanisms, if you will, right? They are predominantly, they serve about uh, somewhere over um, a million policyholders for Genworth Financial. So these are long-term care policyholders who have questions around how do I help my loved one age Right? How do I help them age in place? How do I help find caregiving support, whether it's bringing in um, skilled nursing, whether it's making perhaps 
making some modifications in the home. Most people, as we know, find out um, and are unexpected caregivers, right? They're sailing along in life and something occurs unplanned and they get that phone call, that phone call that says something's happened to your loved ones and you now need to step into this role of being a caregiver. And they do so with virtually no experience. They don't know what to do and where to go. Uh, Care Scout's mission is to help that transition from non-caregiver to caregiver um, in the easiest possible way by using our service um, as sort of a conduit. Let them be the Sherpa, if you will. Let them guide you through the caregiving journey in making some of the acute decisions that you need, the immediate decisions. And then what are the long-term plans? As we, we know at Genworth, um, we have about a million and a half or so long-term care policies, and we've been writing long-term care insurance for over 40 years. So we have a very long path that we watch our policyholders go through the aging process. And we know that most uh, long-term care events really lead to lifelong care needs. And that that journey is certainly not a straight line, um, but it is a continuous path. And so we try with Care Scout to help be that guide for people as they're understanding and learning how to, how to guide their loved ones through this. Wow. Well, that sounds pretty amazing. I, I mean, I know pers- on a personal level for me, I would love to have had access to somebody or some organization that certainly knew more than I did at the time that I became a caregiver, right? I didn't, I didn't even know what the first step was. So, and I didn't even think of myself as a caregiver, which I think a lot of us um, often don't because we have an emergency. The emergency needs to be taken care of and we're not seeing the big picture. It's hard to see that at first, but if you can get somebody involved on the front end early on, I think it makes it a lot easier for people. Can you quickly define what long-term, um, what long-term care insurance is? Sure. So long-term care insurance um, really provides when your loved one can't perform two of the, at least two of the six activities of daily living, right? And those activities of daily living include things like showering and being able to get out of bed and dress themselves and feed themselves. And there's six of these categories. And when you can't qualify to do those on your own, it's considered to be a long-term care event. And so long-term care insurance allows you to buy a policy when you're healthy, like most insurance does, Mm -hmm. that kicks in and pays a benefit when you can't go ahead and perform those duties. Um, The statistics around it, without overly boring your audience, is that uh, about seven out of 10 people will have a long-term care event during their lifetime. The vast majority of them will rely on unpaid caregivers to meet the need of providing care. And there's nothing wrong with that. The familial society we live in where people want to help their loved ones is wonderful. It's what makes us who we are. But for those that are providing that care because there wasn't another plan and they don't have the financial wherewithal, Long-term care insurance allows you to buy a policy that would help pay and defer some of those costs for long-term care, irrespective of where you would 
um, want care, whether you wanted it in a, a facility like a nursing home or assisted living facility, or if you wanted to age at home, a long-term care policy would allow you to use the insurance company's uh, benefit to pay for those things. So for, so for, um, for our listeners though, they don't need to have a long-term care policy with your, with Genworth, is that who sells the long-term care policies? Cor they don't correct. need to have that to utilize CareScout. They do not. As a matter of fact, entities, the, right? they are separate entities. Hmm. Um, if you happen to be a Genworth long-term care policy holder, you have the CareScout service included, hmm. but we also sell um, the CareScout services we sell in the employer space. So we bring this service to companies who, uh, who then offer it for free. The employer, in every case that we bring it to them, offers this as a free service to their employees. So when they become an emergent caregiver and they say, I don't know what to do, their HR department, their benefits department directs them to our Care Scout service to, to take that burden and help them sort of ease into that transition. Gotcha. So, but... You don't have, your employer doesn't have to have this as part of a benefits package for somebody to use the services of CareScout, correct? So they do, we don't have a retail offering, if you okay. will, right? Okay. We, right now, we might, this is a relatively new offering for us. Um, and it's evolving like the rest of the care market itself. It's an evolution for sure. And what I would say is in the particular place we find ourselves now, which is this global pandemic, we turn nobody away, right? We are mission driven. We are purpose driven. Um, and certainly if somebody calls us and says, I need help, we always find a way to help them. Um, whether they happen to be a Genworth policyholder, they happen to be through uh, one of our employer groups, or they happen to be somebody who stumbled their way into us. Mm -hmm. We're always willing to help somebody. Okay, well that's that's great. I think as a caregiver, I think that would that would have been one of my big questions was how, you know, how and when can I use an organization like this to help get me through, right? So it's, a it's definitely something as an employee that I would value as an offering from my employer. Um, before we got started today, I pointed out that right behind me on on the my spare room bed is a giant stack of papers that I'm navigating through um, for Medicare and insurance filings. And we just recently reviewed the National Alliance for Caregiving and AARP's um, caregiving survey for 2020. And one of the things that they pointed out is that 25% of caregivers have trouble managing the forms and the paperwork. And um, because I do work full time, it's a challenge for me. And it's something that Mayor and I have discussed like that I could really benefit from uh, a supportive product like Care Scout that would help me navigate all that. So we're going to take um, just a little break here, but um, before we do, um, I want to ask Larry to think about this. When we come back, I'm going to be passing the questions over to Jennifer, but I would love for you to share with our caregivers um, how caregiving doesn't have to be a career killer for them how can we help them 
continue to grow in their own right as in careers, whether it's a career or navigation or whatever it is. Like, let's address some of those for caregivers because I would like to have known that like 25 years ago. So let's just take a few minute break, a few second break here. Dad, I picked up your pills, made your lunch, and your laundry is done. When you care for a loved one, you take care of everything. But are you taking care of yourself? Find free care guides at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ed Council. Okay, Jen, your turn, but include my question. <laughs> I absolutely will. I'm dying to know what Larry thinks uh, employers can do to help caregivers overcome this. You know, disclosing that you're a caregiver to your employer can be trepidatious at best. Uh, we know that over the course of our history, there have been times when different segments of the population have not disclosed things to their employers because they didn't want to be discriminated against. They didn't want to be seen as less than any other staff member. And what I think we've learned from the data is that 53% um, of, of supervisors um, don't, don't know in America, don't know about their employees' caregiving responsibilities. And there are 40 million caregivers um, potentially in the workforce who are having these issues. So we have tens of millions of people who are not disclosing that they're caregivers and whose employers don't know that they have this need. And I think from my experience, I don't want to be seen as less than. I don't want to be passed up for opportunity, right? I mean, I'm, I'm a professional, I'm an individual, and I have personal goals with that regard. So um, I am curious about what your position is on that and how you see it. I, it is this sort of hidden undercurrent, right? There are, for, to, to your point, Jen, there are 40 million unpaid caregivers in the U.S., there's 350 million Americans. We have 11% of the workforce, 11% of the population rather, that are unpaid caregivers and most of them exist in the workforce today. Matter of fact, the Beyond Dollar survey that Genworth uh, sponsors, which is picked up by the way in some of the AARP studies and many of the other studies that are out there, it looks at the lost the lost productivity, the hard dollar cost to U.S. corporations. And that aggregate number of the yearly lost productivity is over $25 billion a year. It's a staggering amount. So the question isn't, are there unpaid caregivers? The question is, how can employers both be empathetic to an employee's needs, which is, if COVID-19 has shown us anything, it's that the degree of empathy required in order to function as a company, as a coworker, as a peer, as a leader is boundless. We need more empathy and most companies are stepping up to the plate, by the way. Yes, there are examples where it's not occurring, but most companies that I hear anyway in my conversations and my travels, virtual travels, of course, um, are that companies are doing the right thing. And what's fascinating is if given the choice, many would provide services around caregiver support. Um, our Care Scout service is an example. 
um, we brought to market about a year ago. And over that year, I have probably met, um, I'm based in New Jersey, uh, Genworth is based in Richmond, Virginia, and CareScout is based right outside of Boston. And so just those three cities alone, I probably have met with 30 to 40 companies around the offer. What does it look like? How does it work? Is there interest? And there has not been a single company that has said, we're not interested, we don't value. Unfortunately, and this is a little bit of the double-edged sword of not wanting to share as an employee, what we hear often from companies is, this is a valuable service, we get it, but we don't have a need. We're not hearing from our employees that they have this caregiving dilemma. And when we share the statistics, right, that 70% of all employees identify when you say this is what caregiving looks like. It's not just full-time caregivers. It's stopping by your parents on the weekends to do shopping. It's mowing a neighbor's lawn. It's helping do some services in yard work. When we start to talk to people about what caregiving is, almost 70% of all employees identify as having done some of this, right? And over almost 50% of them ultimately leave the workforce for a period of time because of caregiving duties. It's not that it doesn't occur. It's that employees are afraid to put their hand up. They're afraid that they're going to be thought of differently. And there's this period, this, these two paths that are not intersecting. You know, Mary and I are all about action. So I actually have some advice in this arena. Um, I would love for industry leaders, um, corporate leaders, for caregivers themselves who are in the workforce to set up affinity groups, to develop an action plan and to educate their employers about the fact that they're there. Now they'll need some support. They'll need a conference room, maybe order a few pizzas and a couple of salads so they could do this over their lunch break, but give caregivers that platform within the organization to say, we're here. Um, these are our challenges specifically here where we work. And these are the things that you could do to support us. Um, sitting in my cubicle at Wounded Warrior Project, when I first started in 2016, I felt like the only caregiver in the world. I felt so, um, uh, I felt so embarrassed actually when I would have to make a phone call to a doctor, you know, I, I felt nervous about doing that. Um, but then I realized that two cubicles over was somebody whose mother had Alzheimer's and right next to me was somebody whose, whose child has severe autism. And another person's husband had a, had a severe heart attack six months before, and she was still providing care. And, and those are the things I think the employers need to know. They need to know that we have an affinity um, and it crosses, uh, it crosses age, race, sex, everything can, is goes out the window. Everyone can be a caregiver. In fact, you yourself have been a caregiver. I, ha I have indeed. I was like most people. I wasn't a caregiver on a Monday and I became a caregiver on a Tuesday. Um, it happened that quickly. I was um, fortunate in that my father had long-term care insurance. Um, we got a call that uh, he and my mother were driving and my mother, <laughs> my mother said to my father, you're driving terribly. You're literally in the middle of the 
the road, what's going on? And my father said, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm driving perfectly. And she said, I'm not sure why she said this, but she said, pull over immediately. They called uh, the doctor. I don't know what would possess my mother, honestly, to this data, why immediately it was to call the doctor, but she did. And the doctor said, meet me in the emergency room. Um, and within 24 hours, my father had brain surgery. Um, as it turned out, he had a tumor um, that was fortunately not cancerous and was on the outside of the sac and not on the inside. And so it was easily removed. Uh, and the doctor said, the great news is he's going to have a full recovery. And within 24 hours or 48 hours, you're going to be taking him home. Wow. Well, that didn't really happen that way. And instead, within 24 hours, he was paralyzed from the neck down. Mm. Um, it wasn't in the plan. It certainly wasn't in my father's plan. It wasn't in my mother's plan. And we became emergent caregivers having no idea what to do, where to go. They said, what facility do you want to move him to? How would I even know where to begin? And so we began the journey, my mother, my brother, and myself. My father was not an active participant in any of those conversations because, of course, he was hooked up to machinery and they were trying to figure out what was going on. And we reached out to anybody and anybody and everybody that would remotely talk to us. We relied on the conversations with family and loved ones. And through luck and blessings, we found somebody who had an in at a facility that would take my father that was close to where my parents lived. And we didn't have a financial concern, but we had all of the other stuff. We had no answers. We had no idea where to go. We were where almost every other caregiver is that is an emergent caregiver, unprepared, inexperienced, and at a total loss because you're not only trying to make these decisions, more importantly, you're making them under the duress of your loved one in such the position that you would never thought you'd find yourself. Out, my story turned out um, about as well as it could turn out. My father, within a year, was back to about 98%. It was swelling on the brain, it went away. He had to relearn how to talk, how to walk, how to do all of those things. And other than the fact that he can't play golf anymore, um, he um, is about as perfect as he was, as cantankerous at times as he was. Um, and we are incredibly blessed by that. But it was um, the scariest thing we'd ever gone through. And so that really, um, knowing firsthand what the two of you go through and the millions and millions upon millions of other caregivers um, makes me incredibly grateful for the work that you guys do. Well, we appreciate that. And we, we're gonna take another quick little break here because man, we're doing great on this conversation today. And, and, uh, and when we come back, let's talk a little more about how we can pull our employers and, and our caregivers together so that they can meet in the middle. So that's the big question. How do we bring how do we bring these two big forces together? We have all these caregivers, we have new emerging caregivers for many reasons, including COVID-19, which I think will have many, many, many more caregivers than we can possibly imagine. We need America to work. People need to work. Financially, they need to work, they need their benefits, they need to feel good about working, because we usually feel good when we're working. 
and our employers need us and we're such great employees most of the time i mean we can't speak for all the caregivers out there right but i was also a teacher and people used to say if you want something done ask a teacher you know because we're famous for lists and we, we get things done right we're big on checking off the boxes and making sure everybody understands and we're all on the same page so how do we how do we bring this conversation to a national conversation so our caregivers can thrive it's it's a great question and it is a dilemma i i totally understand the caregiver slash employee dilemma of not wanting to put their hand up and say i'm special in a way that won't necessarily in your eyes make me a better employee but i think that's because employers of old did not bring that empathetic bend to the story. I think the where we are today in a post-COVID world, by the way, as I said earlier, I think the empathy level at employers is at the all-time high, right? In years past, they've provided things like EAPs, right? The Employee Assistant Program, where they've said, that's a great catch-all and you know, if you have a need, go to there, and it's this library indexed system. But they're now understanding that an EAP is only the first step of many steps, right? And caregiving takes many different forms. It's not a universal, there's no singular answer. What they need to provide, but they need to know about it. And Jen, I think your idea of saying, we've got to form groups, we need affinity opportunities, we need meeting places, that's all good, but it starts with employees having the, the courage. And I say that because it is, does take courage to not be afraid to put their hand up and say, I need help. When I speak to, to HR professionals, when I speak to CEOs and other um, senior executives at leaders uh, at companies, I've never heard them say we're not interested. Matter of fact, what I hear from them is saying that my caregiving employees show a level of dedication that I wish I had more employees mm -hmm. that brought to the equation the dedication of working different shifts in order to be able to do two full-time jobs, right? Sometimes three full-time jobs if they're raising children also. So employers aren't, aren't afraid of providing these, but employees need to be willing to stick their hand up. And I think employers and the conversations we have, employers need to be willing to ask that question up front. And we're starting to see more surveys. We're starting to see employers reach out to their employees and say, tell us what you need from us, right? Employees have to be willing to put down on paper, we need more of this and we need more of that. The services are out there. There's no question that there are plenty of services available for caregivers we just need to get the the meeting of the two in the middle to recognize there's both a need and an opportunity for employers to do better because well, they know they know they need to this is june 2020 and uh right now many organizations are doing their not only doing their re-entry planning for bringing employees back together uh in stage staged phases, uh, but also, you know, what it's going to look like when they're at 100%. But also employers are doing their 2021 benefits planning right about now. And so it would seem to me the perfect storm 
to survey caregivers in the workforce, find out, survey all your employees, find out who's caregivers, give them the definition of it so they know, and then, and then look at some products that could potentially be added to the employee benefits package, the employee assistance packages. You know, what can you, what can you make available to be the best place for caregivers to work because we do know, Mara and I can attest to this, that caregivers are organized, we have fortitude, we can multitask, um, and we're ex sometimes ex exceptionally good at uh, meeting deadlines. So <laughs> above all else, um, I I'm not the best with paperwork, but you know, that's that's just me. I Other than paperwork, I'm, I'm really a, probably the best employee than anybody could have uh, in not knowing that I was a caregiver. I think it only enhances it. And we talked a lot about empathy in this episode, but you know, caregivers add empathy to the workforce uh, where it may, you know, that water cooler empathy goes a long way to, to contribute positively to culture. And I think that's really important. I, I, Jen, you're so right there. Uh, it, it's interesting because Jenworth, um, we probably, because of our purpose-driven culture, we probably have more caregivers as an organization. As people migrate, if you're a caregiver and you're in the insurance business, you know that we're one of the leading companies around care and uh, care products and services. So I would say we probably have a higher percentage of caregivers that work at Genworth. And I must tell you that the way my employees, the way my coworkers, my peers and our teams function, especially in this uh, unknown world we're living in today, right? This caregiving world we live in. What's amazing to me is how flexible they are, right? How they're willing to do whatever you need to meet early or late. Everybody gets it. You don't generally find that in such flexibility and willingness and an emotional ability to, to sort of be flexible. I think that seems to be an emotional. Brain. Yes an emotional maturity, if you will, especially among our millennial caregivers who, uh, I mean, are in the millions now. There's almost 10 million of them uh, in the workforce. Over 25% of all unpaid caregivers are millennials. They mostly think about people like me with gray hair and a gray beard, but truthfully, 25% of them, and the impact, by the way, on their future earnings their future employment, missed opportunities, when they don't tell their employer, right? When they tell their employer and they work together on a care plan and a work plan, it allows that millennial, it allows that employee to both care for their loved ones and continue in their career. You don't wanna see people have to make that choice. Well, but and I think we're, as, as uh, organizations are looking at reentry plans and, and, and looking at the impact that COVID has had on their, on their workforce, on their bottom line, we need to also be thinking about retention. And uh, 10 million people who could potentially leave the workforce because they're not supported is a whole lot of people that, that really need to be supported so they can be retained um, where they are. Uh, you're absolutely right. And my last note on this, on this group of caregivers is of, of which I am I have a, an affinity for, as you could tell. Um, I find them to be amongst the most conscientious employees. So it's one thing to say, you're gonna have natural turnover in the workforce, right? That's just as something that happens. Nobody wants to lose their most conscientious employees, their most dedicated, their most empathetic. 
And to make matters worse, it's one thing to lose them to another employer. It's another thing to lose them because you didn't, as the employer, ask the question, what can I do to help? About 50% of the caregivers, this is just the last statistic I'll share, about 50% of the uh, em employer caregivers have made their supervisor aware of their caregiving duties, okay? So about half of them. But unless you have a solution to offer that employee, what do you do if you're the leader, if you're, the, if you're that person's supervisor? I wish I had something to offer you. That's not really the answer. The answer is to figure something out, right? And so until we, until we strike the period where, where we've got caregiving needs and employer opportunities and benefits meeting up, we're going to continue to have caregivers forced to make these choices. My hope is that we have less of those choices being made and more of the, more of the opportunities to partner and work together. I think that's, that's our hope too. Actually, that was going to be my final thought is that maybe the, maybe we can catch up again in the future and we'll have some uh, better statistics to report, maybe some, uh, some return on, on our investment at least in advocating for caregivers in the workforce. And, um, and I just, if you have one sort of message about caregiving or to caregivers, uh, what, what would it be? I absolutely do. And, I, and I'm going to give you three quick hits. Network and use your friends. Do not be afraid to reach out. I must tell you in my personal journey, the greatest thing that occurred for me was finding how broad and how deep the support was that was out there in places I never expected it to be and would never have thought to ask. The people who were willing to do and help and take care of us was amongst the most gratifying things as a statement about who my father was, who my parents were, and who we were as a family and as a community. The second thing is we live in a world where technology can be your friend. Take the time to understand. If you're in a caregiving situation and you've got multiple caregivers, how can you use some technology to help ease the burden? How are you using the some of the apps that are available for scheduling and note sharing, et cetera. If you've not explored that, um, I, I spent about a half hour beforehand just doing a quick search on caregiver apps and the list of what was out there was amazing to look at. I would encourage you. And finally, um, the last thing I would leave you with is do not forget to take time for yourself. You cannot be a great caregiver if you are at wit's end if you are emotionally, physically drained, you are not going to be the caregiver that you want to be. So remember whether you're an employee and you're balancing this, use your paid time off. If you're not working and you're a full-time caregiver, find some coverage, take that time off. Do not be guilty about it. Don't feel guilty. What you are doing is in the long run so much stronger, will make you so much stronger and better for your loved one. And, and, those would be my three takeaways. I don't think we could have said them any better. Do you, Mayor? No, I don't think we could either. And I, so I really appreciate you coming on and having this conversation with us. It was a good, real, honest conversation about the dilemmas that we face in the workplace and in our personal lives as well. I mean, I think, you know, we're not going to get away without being cared for or being a caregiver for somebody, right? 
Um, so this, this was really a wonderful conversation and I hope we continue to have the conversation. I, I hope so. And, and thank you again for having me on and I look forward to maybe catching up with, uh, with some updated stats and, and some encouraging news for everybody. Now, Larry, where can folks find you if they want to connect uh, online, if they want to find out more about Genworth, about uh, Care Scout? Um, they can go to, um, they can find me um, on LinkedIn, on Twitter at L Nisenson, N-I-S-E-N-S-O-N. Um, they can email me directly. Um, believe it or not, I love nothing more than talking about this stuff. My email is larry.nisenson, N-I-S-E-N-S-O-N, at genworth.com. You can go to carescout.com if you want to learn more about our CareScout offerings, or genworth.com if you've got questions about some of our other products. Um, but uh, ladies, again, thank you for having me. And more importantly, thank you for the incredible work that you're doing in, in educating and increasing the awareness and helping these folks out. Thank you, Larry. And I um, also want to thank all of our listeners. Mayor, you're never going to believe this. What is it? We have almost 2,300 listeners now. That's pretty amazing. We're just two caregivers hanging out here, podcasting from home. <laughs> we're just, uh, yeah, we're just caregivers in our homes podcasting. <laughs> that's, that's incredible. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. If uh, anyone listening doesn't know, we're all over social media. Our handle is at this caregiver, unless you're on Twitter and then we're just this caregiver because we're cool like that. Um, if you want to follow Mayor's blog, I'll put a link in the notes and I'll put all the links to everything we mentioned today, including how you can get a hold of Larry Nyson and learn more about Care Scout and Genworth. And um, we would love for you to email us, especially if you have uh, maybe a voice memo you'd like to share, we'd use it in a future episode. Um, and you can email that to thiscaregiverlife at gmail.com. Yep. And so that'll wrap it up for today's episode. Thanks again, Larry and Mayor and everybody who's listening. And I'll just sign off by saying until next time. Yep. Until next time. <laughs>